Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gaby and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast and or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangaby.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, you would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why supernatural leadership? Really, it's the difference between presence and principle as we discuss in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director, media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby, your host. Thank you so much for stopping by. If you're new with us, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode really impacts your leadership, helps you, the leader, become a little more supernatural. And welcome to the podcast family. If you've been tracking with us for some time now, I'm so excited that you're with us. Really pray and hope that these episodes have been really changing and transforming your leadership. Please let us know how it's impacting your leadership. Send us some testimonies, some stories. We'd love to hear it on Instagram. Just at Sean Gaby. would love to hear what is happening in your world. Don't forget to rate, review, tell your friends to subscribe, help spread the word. I believe that this podcast has so much value for so many people that want to take their leadership and help it become a little more supernatural. Today, we are diving into what I'm calling a two-part series on the subject, the mature, the maturation of leadership, the maturation of leadership. We all want mature supernatural leadership, but there are there's a process in uh in maturing as a leader. So in these two parts we're going to be exploring some of these phases that we all go through as leaders to mature, part of the maturation of leadership. And for me in almost 20 years of supernatural leadership, I have definitely learned some things. And I know that that is half or even one third of many seasoned veterans out there that may be listening. But I would love to share some things that I have noticed along the way. I think it will really help you. I believe that these two parts will be super illuminating and super strengthening and encouraging for many leaders out there, whether you're green in your leadership, you're brand new, or you're, like I said, a seasoned veteran. 
in the maturing process, we definitely go through many phases, especially in the earlier years. For maturation to happen, I believe this, both loss and success need to take place. For maturation to happen in leadership, both loss and success need to take place. There's definitely what I call a natural weathering process that our leadership is taken through. This weathering process toughens up our leadership and prepares our leadership to withstand the seasons that are just around the corner. Now, many of you hear that. You hear, you know, this weathering process. You hear toughening up. You you hear challenges. You hear obstacles. You even feel fear. You It even sounds maybe depressing to hear considering what you may be actually going through right now. But let me assure you that one day you will look back on yesterday's battles and realize how small and somewhat insignificant they were in comparison to all the other challenges you've gone through and or are presently going through. Now, this is, unfortunately, the bitter reality of a growing leader in the maturation process. You know, you we all hear these stories of people that have made incredible impact in society and culture and they are absolutely, you know, incredible stories and they're inspiring. And maybe now these people, these individuals are in their 60s, maybe even late 70s. Maybe they're even at the end of their life. Um, but these these people have all been weathered by the storms of life. And because they have been weathered by the storms of life, their leadership is mature. And I believe something to aspire to. They share often they share their story, their victory, but they also share their failures the depression, the near-death nervous breakdowns that they may have had or almost had. But at the same time, we also celebrate and hear and love to hear the other side, the victories, the breakthroughs, how they made it through. And and we, we want that. We want the how we make it through. We want the breakthrough. We want the victory. We want the impact in culture, in society. We want significance. No one really wants the things the challenges, the obstacles, the near-death nervous breakdowns, like I mentioned, the depression, the challenges, the anxieties, the fears. No one wants that. But the reality of it is we are to, to mature as a leader, to get to the other side, to the thing that all of us aspire to, we have to weather the storms of life. We have to go through some stuff to make it. No one wants that that part of it, but we all need it. And that's what I call the middle. Everyone wants to get to the other side. No one wants to stay or be in the middle. The middle is where it's hard. The middle is where there's tension. The middle is where there's confusion. But like I said, unfortunately, to get to the other side, we have to go through the hard stuff and we have to embrace the hard stuff. To, to have that story of victory impact, you know, in society and in culture, we have to em- embrace the stuff that no one wants so ultimately we can achieve what everyone wants. Now, let me say that again. Say it a different way. To achieve what everyone wants, we must embrace what no one wants. And what is it exactly that everyone wants? Well, it's the desire of humanity. It's to leave a significant impact, a significant footprint in this time, on this earth, that when we go, when we're dead and gone, we've left a significant impact, uh, an impact of eternal significance. Now, whether that's family, with family, with friends, it should be those things, of course, or within society and culture, there is no significance 
without challenges, obstacles, sacrifices, pain, what often feels like suffering, and just straight up hard seasons. So in the end, I mean, I believe in the end, what is deemed as success and victory is the soul or the leader that doesn't give up and quit. In the end, we only lose if we quit. We only lose if we give up. I believe ultimately if you want significance, I'm not going to use the word success because the world defines success in a whole different way than the kingdom defines success. I believe the kingdom defines success as significance, eternal significance, eternal fruit, everything we do now for the sake of eternity. And in the end, we have a race to win. We have a race to run. Like Paul said it, you know, run the race. Don't give up. Don't give up. Paul ran the race. He didn't quit. He persevered. This is the call over all of our life. We have a race to want to run. We have a, 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 a game to win, a life to win. And the only way we lose in this life called the great race is if we quit, is if we give up and throw in the towel. So in this episode, I want to define some specific phases And like I said, for part one of the maturation of leadership that we all go through in the maturation process of our leadership. Number one, I'd encourage you to take some notes, write this down. I think all of us at one point in time, if maybe or maybe you're there right now because you're green in leadership, we have to move through this phase of what I call the ideals and illusions of leadership, the ideals and illusions of leadership. What we think about leadership in this early phase slowly fades as you begin to actually do it, as you begin to actually lead. I don't think until years down the road do we realize how ridiculous some of our expectations and thoughts were on leadership as we begin or began to lead in the beginning. It is definitely not for the faint of heart. What is not for the faint of heart? Leadership is just not for the faint of heart. If you want to lead, you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to pioneer the way, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. You need to be able to handle pressure, handle things that, you know, really no one likes to handle, but it's just part of the process, part of the maturation process. If you only knew the pressure that you would come under as a leader in this phase, in this beginning early green phase of leadership, probably I think I'm honestly at least eight to 10 people would stop before they ever even started. Like they would hear about the pressure they're going to come under. They'd hear about the attacks. They'd hear about all things that were going to happen. It would crush all their ideals, all their illusions, and they wouldn't even begin the journey because it'd be too overwhelming. But thank God by his grace, he doesn't reveal to us all of that. I mean, you could read the Bible and it's very obvious in scripture what makes a good leader, what makes a good kingdom leader. You see the trials, you see the challenges, you see giving your whole life for a cause. And then, you know, like in the disciples case, they died for their cause. I mean, you could see it there, but often it's easy to see it but it's really hard to experience it and keep on going. And so I want to share a few of what I call green leader ideals and illusions that there are, and uh, probably many people listening could relate to them. I know at one point I would have probably related to most of these, um, if not all of them. And I think that uh, many of you that are in this phase of, of leadership, you're new. Maybe you came out of school. Maybe you came out of 
you got your certificate in some sort of program and now you're ready to go and like run this race. You're launching this business. You're for the first time hiring your first employee or or maybe you've been in this game for a while. And this is just a reminder of what you've made made it through, how you've made it through, what you've what you've conquered. And this will be an encouragement to you as well. But let me just share a few of what I call green leader ideals and illusions that I believe there are. If I'm the leader, it will be easier on me. Huge, uh, I think it's an ideal for sure. It's a false ideal, but it's also um, an illusion to reality. This is just not true. If you're the leader, it will be harder on you. You have more responsibility. You will experience more pain. You will experience more stress, more pressure because you're the leader and you have to not only just manage expectations and manage operations and administration and potentially whatever role you're in, but you're also leading people. Like what makes a leader is that a leader has followers, whether it's people that you're managing at work, you're managing 10 employees. It's like they're following your lead, right? So you're leading them. If you have no followers, you're not really a leader. So, you know, if you're a leader, you're going to have people that you're leading and therefore it's going to be harder on you. Yes, the reward is great, but that doesn't come without great sacrifice, pain, pressure, and just challenges all around. So let me just crush your ideals and illusions for a second. If I'm the leader, it will be easier on me. It actually will not. It will be harder. Another one is if I'm the leader, this this um, job, like you fill fill in the blank, this organization, this church will be better because I don't agree with the current leader. So if I'm the leader right now, everything that I'm going to lead will be better than the last person. It's a very dangerous statement. Um, we often think when we're not in positions of leadership that we can do it better than the present leader. We can do it bigger. We can do it, uh, and and maybe there's truth in some of it, and maybe there's truth that you have what it takes, but be careful because it's so easy to perceive what you think will be better based upon your skill sets and your experience. It's so easy to perceive because of those things and miss on the fact that yes, one day it will be, but it's going to take some time. And it's in that time where these ideals and illusions are crushed. Yes, you may be better and you may be better suited and you may build a bigger organization, you know, a bigger business, more successful business, have more employees, but because you're green, because you have these ideals, it's not going to be as quick as you think often. So, But I would even just be careful overall of making that statement. If I'm the leader, it will be better. It may not be. And you might have a rude awakening. How about this one? If I was the leader, I wouldn't do it that way. If I was the leader, I wouldn't do it that way. This is often a mindset in so many green leaders before they're ever actually given positions of higher leadership, higher forms of leadership. It's so easy uh, as a participant even to make comments, to give opinions. Not that those are bad, but it's so easy in pride to begin to think that you have the better way. Not only like in the previous you know, uh, point that I made that you would do it better or it would be better, the organization, but that you you think that your way is the better way. 
That's not always the case. And sometimes you may end up doing things the exact way the previous leader did them that you said you would never do. So be careful as well. These are just, I would say, cautionary statements or cautionary mindsets that I would I would caution against as a green leader with ideals and you know often we don't know their illusions um, until they get crushed. But as a leader, I have more free time. As a leader, I have more free time. That's another one. This is a huge misconception, uh, ideal and illusion that gets crushed really early on in leadership because you know, especially in the beginning of anything, I think we hear these testimonies and stories and all on social media and we're inspired by all these amazing leaders, some that continue to hustle seven days a week, you know, 120 hours a week or whatever case may be, which is honestly unhealthy and, and really who wants that life, especially if you have family. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe okay for some people, it's not healthy. You definitely need rest. You need time off. But especially if you have other responsibilities, you just can't function and live in that space. Um, and I think there's this ideal and illusion that the the great the higher up the leadership ladder you go, the more free time that you have. But you know, really, a leader is a pioneer. A leader is a visionary. You're never gonna. A leader doesn't run out of vision. And if a leader runs out of vision, they're in a dangerous space. Uh, once a leader gets bored, they're in a dangerous space. And so, as a leader of, as a visionary, as a pioneer, you're always adding new things to the play. Actually, the challenge is, is saying no as you go higher up on the leadership ladder, saying no to the wrong things, saying yes to the right things. That's often the challenge because it's so easy as a visionary to get caught up into so many different things, um, and not have a laser, a laser sharp focus when it comes to vision. Um, just because you're a visionary doesn't mean you're going to have laser sharp focus. The goal of a healthy visionary is to have laser sharp focus on doing the things that they're the best at, that they can do the best, not to be the best, but to be the best that they can be, um, as an individual leader. So as a leader, I will have more free time. This is not, not true. And I, I was kind of going to go here to, uh, in the beginning. I kind of went on a rabbit trail. But, you know, it, eventually, yes, there is things that you're doing right now in the beginning of leadership that you won't do later on. But that does not mean you're going to have more free time. In fact, as a leader, as a leader, uh, a leader versus, uh, let's say, an employee, a leader, entrepreneur versus someone that's just... Um, going to a job kind of can shut off nine to five, shut off at night, like a real entrepreneurial type leader never quite shuts off. And in fact, even in the free time, often the struggle is distraction. Struggle is it's the imbalance of trying to be present with the thing you're doing in your free time and not being distracted by the stuff on your visionary plate, the stuff on your leadership plate. And so in a sense, like you never shut off. And this is this was the challenge for me in the very, very beginning of leadership. I remember I had my third kid and uh, on the day of my third kid, you know, we we transition and uh, our organization scaled up massively. And I had 16 employees at, at one point and uh, it, it was stressful. I was now managing three kids under the age of three. 16 employees, an organization, a church, 
a traveling ministry and uh, I was traveling to also supplement to income and bring income into the church. Like it was just crazy. And I had to learn the hard way to find balance. And, um, you know, I thought that as our staff grew, I would have more free time to do what I was really good at, to focus at. But really, you know, my my hands were tied in so many different things and I had to learn to balance better. And so just because you're a leader does not mean you're going to have free time. Uh, remember, you should just go with the assumption you're going to have less free time. But as you grow and mature as a leader, you will make better use of your time. You'll make better use of your time. How about this one? So much of what feels important in the beginning stage is not actually that important. So much of what feels important in the beginning stage is not actually that important. You don't really learn this until later on. But man, if I look back on my leadership journey, so many of the things that I thought were super important, super major, uh, have become very minor in the sense of like, you know, you, you have these things that you think are major things that stand in the line of importance. And as you grow as a leader, you realize these things are actually should be on the list of minor things, things that don't matter that much, don't aren't the game changers. And sometimes you can actually so focus on the minor things that the major things that really matter get compromised. And so you learn this growing as you grow as a leader that looking back, man, the things that I used to think were important really almost have no relevance and importance now. And so why did I focus on those things so much? I could have been doing this. I could have been doing that. But that's part of growing. That's part of growing through the green nature of our leadership and crushing these ideals and illusions. Now, I could continue this list and we could go on and on and on, but these are just some things to kind of provoke you a little bit. Maybe you're new in leadership. Maybe you can relate to this, or maybe you're a seasoned veteran, and this is just a reminder of some of the things that you've come through. Now, I would say within two to three years as a leader, you realize very quickly that these ideals were simply illusions to what leadership really is all about, but it's part of the maturation process. So when you think about two to three years down the road, uh, you're going to look back and say, man, I had so many ideals. I had so many illusions about leadership and all of those things were crushed or maybe at least 80% of them were crushed and they're going to continue to be crushed. Number two, hey everyone, I want to bring an interruption for a short commercial break and ask you a question. Are you interested in diving deeper and not just hearing, but recognizing the voice of God? Are you wanting to learn how to incorporate the voice of God into your workplace environment, business endeavors, and or any other sphere of influence you were called to? Well, guess what? We as a supernatural leadership community have exciting news. As of this fall, we are launching our first online module of our supernatural leadership school. These first nine lessons will be focused around the voice of God. I'm so excited about this, as this subject is the core of our leadership culture. This online e-course is for you. It will come with a very detailed workbook manual to assist you with the course, plus lots of other incredible additions. So stay tuned, Supernatural Leadership Community family, and keep watch at SeanGaby.com. Number two, as part of the maturation process of leadership, we have the naivety of leadership, the naivety of 
leadership. There's lots of innocence and often ignorance in this phase. You just don't know what you don't know. Let me say it again. There's lots of innocence and often ignorance in this phase. You don't know what you don't know until you know. And once you know, you realize how much you didn't really know and how naive you really were. And whether it was innocence or just simply ignorance, which often can feel like the same thing at times, uh, we, we, we only grow through the naive nature of our leadership by being a leader and by doing it and by leading day in and day out. Now, this is definitely part of the maturation process. And I want to lay out some naive belief systems that I believe so many leaders have, especially in the beginning. But before I actually do this, I want to be honest about something that I actually once thought. Now, this is where I was hugely naive and you could call it ignorant. Some of it was maybe innocent. Um, I would probably say it was ignorant, but it was honestly just naive in general. And I would see these. I remember I would see these older leaders, leaders that I looked up to. Many times in the green rooms, I, I've been around so many, um, many, many inspiring people that from afar, I'm like, I wanted to emulate like they just inspired me. You know, they encouraged me. They strengthened me. Maybe I didn't even know them. And then I got to sit with them in a room privately. And I just realized, first of all, number one, they're human just like me, because often we can see someone from afar and think that they're like the superhuman leader and untouchable and invincible and all these different, you know, wrong ways of perceiving a leader. And this is what happens as you are green. You think these things, right, until you realize. And I'd get into the green rooms of some of these amazing leaders that I looked up to and just realized how weathered they were and not necessarily always in the best way, like how tarnished, even tainted maybe bitter or even non-trusting they had become from years of leadership, but but not not necessarily handling leadership well, you know, not handling pain well, not handling betrayal well, not handling the challenges and obstacles well. And the outcome or the result, the end result was behind the scenes, like they just felt tarnished to me, tainted. And I said, and I thought, you know, I will never be that. In fact, I thought it would be impossible for me to be that. But after almost two decades of leadership, I realize it's very possible to become like that as long as we keep our eyes on people and not God as the most important. If people become our only audience, then people have the power to destroy and dismantle what God has called for us to be. When God stops becoming the main audience and the shift focuses from God as first place to people as first place, it's very easy to become bitter, tainted, tarnished, non-trusting. As long as, the thing I've learned, as long as we keep God at the center, and this is the balance, sometimes we get our eyes off of God for a moment. It's like Peter, he was called to walk on water. He got his eyes off of Jesus for a moment. And in that moment, he began to sink. But thank God, he Jesus was there, he reached his hand in, picked him back up again. And that's the grace of God. Like in a moment when we get our eyes off of Jesus in the storms of life and onto the storm itself. Sometimes people feel like the storm. 
Sometimes, you know, what people do feel like the storm. And if we get our eyes on the people, get our eyes on the storm itself, the challenges, the obstacles, and off of Jesus, we will sink. We will sink. And I think sinking looks like bitterness sometimes. Sinking looks like becoming tarnished, tainted, non-trusting. And I think that this is what I've learned in this process is that, you know, never say never, first of all, because you could become the very thing that you despise or do not want to become as long as you don't keep your focus on the thing you need to keep your focus on. And that's most importantly, number one, Jesus as the center of your supernatural leadership. So, I mean, I've heard it said like this before, live by the praise of people and die by the praise of people or lack thereof. If you only live by the praise of people, then guess what? When you don't get it, you're going to die by it. When you do get the wrong type of praise, you're going to die by it. Or even you get the right type of praise and you mishandle it, you can also be affected or infected by it. Peter, the apostle, using him as an example again, said he would never deny Jesus, but he did because he thought he could do it in his own strength. And the core, I kind of said this a second ago, the core of a supernatural leader is entirely centered around one person, and that is Jesus. We remove him from the equation, and yes, we'll become the very person we never wanted to become. Now, let me go back to what I was going to do in the beginning. Let me lay out some naive belief systems in that so many leaders have, especially in the beginning of lead leading have, have believed at some point. Um, and, but for those that have been leading for some time now, these are still great reminders. So remember in this phase of leadership, there's lots of innocence and often ignorance in this phase and you just simply don't know what you don't know. Number one, let me let me. See. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna share a few bullet points here with you. Number one, I will never be betrayed. Very, very much a naive statement or a naive belief system. I will never be betrayed. And in my notes, I put a little LOL, laugh out loud, because it's true. I mean, we think this often. Like, you know, here's the thing: Jesus, the Son of God, chose someone to be on his team that would betray him. Jesus did that. Betrayal, unfortunately, is just a byproduct of leadership. You will be betrayed. Now, the degree of betrayal, I can't, I don't know. The degree uh, uh, through which you will be betrayed, I have no idea. But to say that you'll never be betrayed, someone will never backstab you, walk away from you, uh, or that you would never betray somebody as a leader. I mean, whatever the case, like vice versa here, like is just really a very scary statement to believe. Um, I think with humanity, anything is is possible. And like I said, if you get your eyes off of God as number one, it's very easy for you to fall into the trap of becoming or doing the very thing you say you would never do. So I will never be betrayed as a very naive statement or belief system of leadership that we will have a rude awakening of at some point as part of the maturation process of leadership. Or how about this one? I am untouchable. I am untouchable. I am invincible. Um, I actually remember a time. Now, this is very embarrassing, very embarrassing to even say. It just tells you the green nature of my 
leadership in the very, very beginning. But I remember at one time in the beginning of my leadership journey, I actually thought, I believed I was untouchable. I believed I was invincible. Like somehow I would be unaffected and unmoved by anything. Like it would never shake my faith, never shake my perspective of people or God or my mission, what I was called to. That type of naive nature is only flushed out in the next phase of leadership that we'll get into in just a few moments. But let me just keep going for a second. I will make sure, and by the way, obviously I, I learned and grew and, and realized that that was a ridiculous and really embarrassing belief system to have that I was actually untouchable. Like, of course, I'm human, number one. Number two, um, <laughs> I'm not invincible. I will be, I'm, uh, I have emotion. I will be affected by the challenges and circumstances that come my way. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think probably I was single at that point when I thought those things, to be honest with you. Uh, but anyways, moving on, I will make sure I'm never misunderstood. This is another naive statement. I will make sure I'm never misunderstood. Just impossible. You will be misunderstood. You will be misheard, misrepresented, misunderstood. Things will be taken out of context. Things won't be communicated. You won't communicate the way that you wish you did at times. And it may backfire on you. You will have times where people will misunderstand you. If you are called to be a leader, and especially have a platform, even a public platform, where you're, especially if you're a communicator, like you will be misunderstood. People will not be able to see your heart motives. They will not be able to see your heart motives. Yes, some people will. Yes, yeah, some people, and the goal is that, and the ideal is that, but it's just not a reality. Like the majority of the people that you lead will never quite understand fully at all times your heart motives. So you will be misunderstood and you have to learn, we have to learn to manage that as leaders. What? How do we manage misunderstanding? How do we manage it? Well, it's part of Leading, it's part of the maturation process of leading, handling and managing when those closest to us or that we love misunderstand us. This is why relationships are so great. Relationships, friendships, marriage relationships are great training for leadership, healthy leadership. Or how about this one? Why would anyone hate me? Like, I'm just such a likable guy, likable woman. Why would anybody hate me? Such a naive question uh to, to even to even say because if you're called to be a leader you will not be liked by everyone you will not be liked in fact if you are liked by everyone and there is no hate ever coming at you i would say you're probably not leading to the depth that you were actually called to lead from you're probably not leading the way you're not leading the way God's called you to lead you. I mean, Jesus said it, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So unfortunately, uh, one of the realities of supernatural leadership is you will not be liked by anyone. I mean, even not take supernatural out of the equation for a second, just principle led leadership. I know this is a presence led leadership type podcast, but principle led leadership, you're going to be hated. Not everyone's going to like you. I mean, just in life, this is common sense. Like even not forget leadership, not everyone's going to like you. And sometimes they may even hate you for what you stand for or what you believe or how you're leading. And so that's number two, the naivety of leadership. Now, like I said, 
um, in one of the the points about um, being me, being naive and untouchable and invincible and how that gets flushed out in what I'm calling this next phase, this next phase of the maturation process of leadership, number three, called the refining of leadership. This is where all that stuff gets flushed out, the refining of leadership. I remember years ago, a mentor of mine made this statement and said that it takes seven years until you really become a pastor. Now, he was specifically talking about pastoring a community of people. It takes seven years to become a pastor. And that that statement always kind of stuck with me. And I thought to myself, well, so if I'm two years into it, I'm not really a pastor. And not necessarily, but what he was saying was that like the real depth and maturation process of a pastor only manifests after seven years. And it wasn't until well after seven years that I realized the truth of that statement. Because honestly, the first five years, and let's not even use the word pastoring for a second. Let's just use the word leadership, like leading people, leading. It could be maybe for you, 10 people, five people, 20 people, 100 people. But let's just say thousands of people. Like you will go through some stuff within the first five years that you will not go through first in the first year. I mean, obviously, of course, there's exemptions to the, all, all this, and there's um, exceptions, sorry, to the rule. But for the most part, like, you need a good solid seven years to cycle through some of the main refining moments of your leadership that literally will begin to set the tone for the next seven years after, prior. And so after leading, I mean, I, I've been leading as... Uh, in a pastoral role for over 13 years now. I've been officially leading as what I would call more of a supernatural leader, spiritual leader for almost 20 years. And whether it's pastoring, whether it's leading any sort of, you know, group of people or organization or business or whatever, I absolutely believe, this is a personal opinion, that seven years is such a good timeline. I mean, seven's the God number, of course, God created everything within seven days. Seven is the God number, means complete fullness. Uh, I actually do believe seven years is a a great number. Often I've seen, and I think the majority, the statistics show that the majority of both youth leaders and even often senior leaders, senior pastors, youth pastors and senior pastors last between two and five years at a church many youth pastors actually resign within nine months to two years of actual youth pastoring. And I think there's, I'm not sure the statistic on uh, senior leadership, but I know that up to five years is a, is an average where, where pastors won't last longer than five years at a specific church. That's a very sad reality. And I actually believe I, I, I see this pattern of there are things that not many are able to weather and move through within the first seven years. And that's why they end up doing something, something completely different before or after even around year seven. They just can't they can't continue. So they'll change vocations. They'll change whatever that is they're doing, because in that seven year time, like so many things happen. 
And uh, I'm not saying for those that are listening, if you didn't make it past year two or year three, that you're not doing what God's called you to do. Maybe you got into it and God never called you. And now you're actually doing the thing that you're called to do. So don't don't hear me say that if you're you know, you didn't make it longer, it's because you just, you know, had no perseverance, gave up there. There obviously is an exception especially when people do things that we're not supposed to do. And then we realize after the fact that we weren't supposed to do that thing. And so that's why we're doing something totally different than we were doing or we started out or set ourselves out to do in the beginning. So I, my personal opinion is you need seven years in this phase. You've heard the statement probably at some point, bitter or better. And in the first seven years, this is definitely a question you want to keep at the forefront of your focus and your mind. In these refining seasons when we feel like we are in the kiln, what I call the kiln of suffering or the crucible of challenges, we need to remember that getting better will mature you, getting bitter will destroy you. Remember that getting better will mature you and getting bitter will destroy you. For gold and silver to be refined, the refiner has to put... He puts the broken, crushed ore into a crucible, which is a fireproof melting pot able to withstand extreme heat. Then the refiner places the crucible into the furnace at the precise temperature necessary for removing other metals that would mar the quality of the gold and silver. Just as the furnace is used to purify gold and silver in the crucible, our refiner, Jesus, let's call him Jesus, he's our refiner, uses heat to purify our hearts and cleanse our character. This is part of the maturation process. I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 6, and the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined, listen to this, seven times. Gold refined seven times. And, you know, after the refiner painstakingly skims off these impurities and he turns up the heat and places the crucible back into the blistering furnace again and again, up to seven times, we are told in historical literature, these impurities will rise to the surface. He knows that only certain impurities are released at certain temperatures. This is, man, this is like an invitation to bring on the heat because the higher the heat the hotter it gets, guess what? The greater, de- the, the more development, greater character refinement we have as a supernatural leader. I love what it says in verse 6 of Proverbs 12 about the gold being refined seven times. We need these seasons. In fact, Daniel chapter 3, verse 19 to 25, you can read the story, but in the latter part of it, Nebuchadnezzar says he was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego which was Daniel's three friends, that his face became distorted with rage and he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. This is the story of Daniel's three friends in the fire and then they weren't burned because Jesus stood with them. He was the fourth man in the fire and they were standing in the fire. Others that went in burned, died, but they didn't because Jesus was with them in the fire. When Jesus is with you and he's leading you as a supernatural leader, it can be turned up seven times hotter and only good things will come out of it. Doesn't mean that you won't feel the fear. Doesn't mean that it won't feel hot, but it won't destroy you. It will bring up the good out of you, just like it it brings all any other impurities It makes you better as an individual. When things get turned up, just remember your promotion awaits. It's maturation time. So 
I think this seven year thing, I, I, I purposely tied that in. I just feel like it's, it's, uh, and once again, it's an opinion, but I believe that seven years is such a good number of years to, to go through in any leadership role that really solidifies your leadership. I want to give you some key takeaways today uh, as reminders and a quick activation. That was it for part one. Hope it encouraged you. Some key takeaways today. There's a natural weathering process that our leadership's taken through. This weathering process toughens up our leadership and prepares our leadership to withstand the seasons that are just around the corner. To achieve what everyone wants, we must embrace what no one wants. What is it that everyone wants? It's the desire of humanity leaving a significant impact. There is no significance without challenges, obstacles, sacrifices, pain, what often feels like suffering, and just straight-up hard seasons. Our first three phases of the maturation process of leadership were, number one, ideals and illusions of leadership. I would say we learned within two to three years that most of our ideals were simply illusions to what leadership really is all about, but it's part of the maturation process. Number two, the naivety of leadership, lots of innocence and often ignorance in this phase. You don't want, you don't know what you don't know. And the core of a supernatural leader is entirely centered around one person, and that is Jesus. If we remove him, we will become the very person we never wanted to become. Number three, we have the refining of leadership. We need to remember that getting better will mature you. Getting bitter will destroy you. I have three points for our activation today. I want you to take a journal, and I want you to write your personal responses on the three main phases we addressed in today's episode. Number one, ideals and illusions. I want you to write down what were or what are your ideals and illusions of leadership. Maybe you're seasoned, a seasoned leader, veteran. Uh, what were your ideals and illusions when you first started? And if you're new, relatively new, even within the first seven years of leading, what are your ideals? You might not know your illusions, but what are your ideals, okay? Um, number two, what areas of your leadership do you feel naive in? Do you resonate with some of them that I mentioned? If so, which ones? Which ones? Which areas do you feel like you may be? You may be naive in. Number three, talking about refining, the refining of leadership. How is your leadership being refined in this season? I want you to write down the three biggest challenges you face because awareness is step one in moving through. So once you've written them down, you become aware. After you've written them down, write what you believe God is developing in you through it all. What do you believe? What do you think that God is actually developing in you through the three biggest challenges that you're facing right now? That's it for today. Hope it encouraged you. Keep watch for part two. Thank you so, so much for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. My name is Sean Gaby, and we will see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.